0: Lot Talk Radio If I ever Do anything Right I want to A production of Progressive Parenting Network and Gina Kirby.com. No material on this radio program should be considered medical advice. This is a listener funded program. And now, your host, Gina Kirby.
1: Being a parent is the hardest job you'll ever have. Progressive parenting understands this and wants you to know that you are not alone. My name is Gina Kirby, and I'm your host. I am not a parenting expert, but as a doula, a childbirth educator, Willow League International breastfeeding peer counselor, and concerned parent of For children ages 12 through 19 months old, I understand the difficulties involved with parenthood, so I will be inviting nurses, doctors, family workers, authors, and experts from different fields to answer your parenting questions. Now, because this is a progressive talk show, we will broach topics and air opinions that you as a parent might not otherwise hear about through the mainstream media. The mission of progressive parenting is to inform, not to preach, to share, not advise, and to connect, not alienate. Progressive Parenting Radio is a listener-funded program. If you enjoy the information we bring to you, please consider donating at ProgressiveParentingRadio.com. Progressive Parenting Radio has been broadcasting for nine years, bringing quality information to listeners like you. We would like to thank our listeners and our sponsors for supporting our mission to bring great information to great people. The number to call in during the program is 347-850-1642. That number again is 347-850-1642. If you'd like to ask a question or make a comment, please press 1, and it will alert our producer that you have something to say. I am super excited about my guest today and about the topic, um, especially since um, it came up during a discussion, I think maybe like a half a year ago, uh, but my guest is Brandy Jordan. Brandy Jordan, uh, for the past decade, has been helping new families grow, adjust, and find balance. Brandy is a board-certified lactation consultant, pediatric sleep specialist, newborn care specialist, and a certified postpartum doula. She holds a BA in child development and a master's in social work from USC. In 2009, she opened the cradle company, Parenting Center and Boutique, a Los Angeles resource center for parents. Brandy's work as a consultant, group leader, and in-home practitioner has led her to develop a unique philosophy of parenting, fondly named Practical Parenting, a pragmatic, practical, and healthy approach for the whole family. And I like that the whole is in quotation marks. So we're going to wait for her to call in. And for everybody else, the number to call in to the program is 347-850-1642. And uh, and that's for like any information that you have, um, any information, any questions uh, that you have regarding the program. Uh, And uh, or just even comments that you have during the show uh, at any any time. Also, if during a program it occurs to you like, wow, I'd really like to hear a show about X, Y, or Z, please feel free to email me at ProgressiveParentingRadio at gmail.com with any ideas that you have about the program, uh, about shows that you'd like, or maybe you have um, an idea for a program, or you read a book that you were like, wow, if Gina could just really talk to this, Author would be really great because I have lots of questions for so-and-so. And, and, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Be sure to do that. All right. So while we're waiting for Brandy, I would like to talk about uh, what's been going on with the program. So if you're just listening, uh, maybe for the first time today... We relaunched our show October 21st, and since then, we've had over 12,500 listens to the program. That's archived shows, because even if you miss a show, you can listen to it archived. I'm sure a lot of you are listening right now to this show, archived. And uh, the the cool thing is is 12,000 people, that's amazing, especially considering the topics that we cover and things that we talk about. And... I've been just so blessed since the relaunch just to have some amazing people on the program, people like Michelle O'Donnell, uh, Ellie Taylor, and then it, it, even like Brandy Jordan, who I am so excited and just yeah. t- beside myself to talk to today because these are people who are making a difference in the world, and I get a chance to talk to them. I got to talk to Raya Dempsey, I got to talk to Rianne Eisler, uh, talking to Rianne Eisler was a trip. I mean, I have never talked to a um Holocaust survivor before in my life. So that was, you know, really something else. And especially to be talking about economics of all things. You know, you would think it was a really dry topic, but it wasn't. It was about like what's really important, what the real wealth of nations is. And it's all about the nurturers, the people who take care of each other. Like take care of babies, they take care of the elderly and we need to um Think more about what their worth is and how that affects our wealth as a nation. So just some really good nerdy out stuff. So you guys, excuse me for one second while I try a different way to get a hold of my guest. Let's see. Let me see. There's one thing I can't do, which is type different words and then say words that are different from that. Uh, from what I'm thinking about. So I'm just going to keep you abreast on what's happening. Generally what happens is we do get mixed up because I have guests from all over the world and they're always in um, different uh, time zones. And so I think maybe that's what the issue is today, but we're going to see how graceful I can be under fire. And... Get a message to her. Dun, dun, dun. Can you call in now? Question mark. So and, and by the way, I am looking for a um, a radio producer. So if we can find one to help me during the program, that would be a super great. It's a learning program, so it's an internship. If you are interested in um, being a intern for the program, you're going to learn a lot about how to make your own show. So. You know, be sure to email me at ProgressiveParentingRadio at gmail.com if you wanted more information about that. So today's show is going to be all about parenting without labels, which is very interesting because for a really long time, I was somebody who identified, or self-identified, <laughs> who uh, parenting-wise identified as a, um attachment parenting mom. I served on the board of directors for like five years, five plus years. And um, it's kind of weird to say, like, for me, when I first heard Brandy bring up the idea of not um, using labels, that I was like, oh, man, I never thought about it like that, and what that means, and I want to know more about it, so I can't wait for her to call in. Uh, In the meantime, the number for you to call in if you wanted to keep me busy or company, the number is 347-850-1642. That number again is 347-850-1642. And oh, and I'd like to thank our um, sponsor for today. Our sponsor is Jane Austen Yoga. She teaches yoga classes prenatally and postnatally in San Francisco, California. She also teaches um, folks how to teach to women prenatally and postnatally. So you can take uh, her, uh, her training, which is what I'm planning on doing next October. I'm so excited about that. Uh, she does retreats, labyrinth walk, mama's meetups. Prenatal Partners Workshops, she does just so much stuff, and she's a big believer in the program, which we are so honored to have her um, caring about what we do and supporting us in in a financial way, which is amazing. You know, Jane's worked for two decades with moms, not only as a yoga teacher, but also as a midwife, doula, and a childbirth educator, and she's just been informed by years of experience working in the field of women's health. And she's just so uniquely suited to instruct yoga to women as they transition into motherhood. And you guys really should listen to that radio program because the one I did with Jane was amazing. And here we go. Yay! I think we have Brandy on the line. Hi, Brandy. Hi. Hi, how are you? (laughs) That is me. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic now that you're here. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, finally. I'm excited. You know, when I talk about this, like, I remember the very first time I was telling our listeners, the very, very first time I heard you mention, like, um, how about not using a label? And I was saying, in my mind, I'm like, well, wait a minute, like, I was on the board of directors for EP, like, what, what's the what's wrong with using a label? So let's <laughs> talk about that. Like, let's jump in with that, because I was, I was very sincere when I asked that question. So, um, but and it's got me thinking since then, so please, yeah. Let's talk about that. Well,
2: you know, after working so many years with so many different families and just seeing the way that people parent their children, you know, the common denominator for everyone is that everyone's choosing to do what they think is best for their kids. No one's picking something because they, you know, want to harm their kids or doing it because they think it's what's best. Mm -hmm. You know, but with that being said, I've also run into moms who, for whatever reason, were told by someone that they should be doing some certain type of parenting label, and they're working very hard to do that but it doesn't fit their family. And they're mm. they feel shame, they feel embarrassment to to change course because they kind of preach that I'm doing this type of parenting and to, mm. you know, move away from that even though everything about their life is saying it doesn't fit them, it ends up being this thing that they can't walk away from because they've invested all this in a label when it really should be about just parenting the best way you
1: can for your child. Got it. Okay. See and that's not what I read it into at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I was thinking that. I was like, well, what's wrong with that? Okay, well, that makes a lot of sense, too. Yeah, especially if you're talking about something like attachment parenting. That's not going to fit every single family um, at all.
2: You know, but in the circles, there's lots of, you know, shame, and there's lots of intimidation about if you're choosing a parent one way or not. You know, and, you know, in this day and age when people are getting so much information from the Internet, from, Mm -hmm. you know, mom circles and just connecting with other mothers in a way that, say, our moms weren't able to do, which in many ways is a good thing. But it also creates this, you know, kind of faux competition in parenting that saying that I'm a such and such parent somehow denotes that you're doing something better than another parent. You know, and some people take it that way, even though you may not be saying it with that intention. Some people do take it that way, especially for new moms who are really just trying to figure it out.
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Oh, when I remember when I first started out with my, okay, our first daughter, she, she, my mom and my grandma went to all these lengths to put in a nursery in my mom's house. And my husband and I were living with her at the time. We were starting with our new family. And, um The baby would cry at night, and I'd go in there and get her back to sleep, and it would take forever. And I'd go back to my own bed and I'd go to sleep. And then after a while, this was just like madness. So I just snuck her into my bed at night, and I would stay with her, and she would, you know, stay in our bed. And one morning, my mom had to come in for some reason or another and just crack the door and saw that my baby was not in the crib, and was like, "Where's the baby?" And then, um, I told her I was like, "Well, you know i I just feel like she sleeps better next to me i'm not gonna I don't feel like I'm gonna do anything bad to her and um and it took me like a really long time of like, my mom always wanted me to put the baby down. She thought I was nursing the past three weeks was too long, and so mm-hmm. I, when i when I found like uh, this Dr. Sears' book on attachment parenting, I was like, "Oh, these are all the things that I want to do um my my mom took it as um an insult. So and, and this you know that means, happens like a lot. Other people, your family members can be like, wait, why don't you want to do things the way I did it? What, what's wrong with, you know, the way that I did things? And, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It just didn't feel right for me. Like, I just couldn't. Yeah. I didn't want to put my baby down. I didn't want to put her in another room at night. I, those, those were things but that didn't. people
2: feel like you know, when you're doing something that somehow it says something about the way that they parented or that you're saying something about the way that they parented, which isn't the case. And I think that's probably what your family members were feeling was this, oh, so what I did wasn't good enough, which is not what you're yeah. saying at all. What you're saying is this is what feels right for me as a mom. Yeah. Yeah, you know, absolutely. and it's hard because, you know, in working with parents, I really, you know, try to connect with them and what's best for them. Obviously, because I did a lot with sleep, people have the connotation that I am against attachment parenting and co sleeping and all those things, and it's not the case. I actually co sleep with my own kids, and I find that it works well for us. Um, so right. it's really thinking about, you know, what works for that family. If I have a mom and a dad that come to me and say, you know, we haven't slept in the same bed or had sex in six months and they're not on the same page about it, then you look at that, and maybe that isn't the right model for that family. You know, but it's just really getting people to move away from feeling like they have to follow some script with parenting. And really your only philosophy should be, you know, the name of your children. You know, my kids are Cade and Magnolia, and those are the two philosophies I have, and they're different Uh. because they're different kids. You know, I love and that's it. how I guide the way that I parent them because they're both going to be different. They have different needs, wants, you know, and I have to sometimes you know put aside what I want. That's what's going to be best for them and their temperament.
1: I love that. I love that. Yeah, I guess then I have four philosophies since I have four kids. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, and it does, and it changes like every single time with each kid. It's like a completely new experience. They all come from the same place, but they're so different. Um, no, I love I love that, and I love that idea of just like doing what organic, like what feels right for you, like what or like ergonomically in your heart and yeah. Your soul. Yeah. Like what's what what and feels I, right? You know,
2: I think what changed in the past, you know, decade of working with moms and dads is that. You know, and this is what our parents would probably say is that so much of just mom intuition is being lost Mm -hmm. because people Mm -hmm. are following these scripts about how they should parent. Like I can take any parenting book, most of them, and find something that I can really use or that works for my family. But it doesn't mean that I have to follow it to the letter or that I have to, you know, use it as a Bible, you know, and it's you know, losing that intuition is really what I think is making a lot of people so unhappy in this first year of parenting because they're not doing what, like, feels organically right for their family. And that's what I really try to, you know, impart to new parents is that even if I'm saying something works that might not work for you and I want you to take these tools but really at the end of the day sit with yourself and your gut and really tell, you know, say, does this work or doesn't it for our family? Right. Uh,
1: No, see, and I love that and that was, I think, the thing that that bummed me out the most because, um, you know, I I met the, the folks at Attachment Parenting, and they're amazing. And I see, like, it all just started with two moms, you know, and they were, like,
0: mm-hmm. in, in an
1: area in Nashville where the, it's still legal for school to hit kids, you know. So they were, like, stepping out from... You know the norm at the time, saying you know I don't I don't think I want to hit my kids. I don't I, you know, and I I'm going to breastfeed my kids. And this is you know a long time ago when they started.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
1: this is the time you know um, where women weren't breastfeeding, and it was just I, I they just put a bunch of ideas together. These are like some principles that we go by, and then it got turned into what I ended up seeing you know later um, as I followed it is like all these groups who like you said, took it and turned it into, like, a dogma, like, um, turned it into almost like a religion instead of, Mm -hmm, here's some good ideas and here's some evidence behind, you know, these ideas and why you might want to think about it. But it was never like, if you don't do this, you're a crap mom. Like, that was never the core message of attachment parenting, but it feels like it turned into that, like, but, but not from AP, not from, like, Yeah, I mean, from the the outside, obviously, there's going to
2: be people in every movement, let's say, that are going to take things to extremes. And, unfortunately, those louder voices are the ones that, you know, the wider population of people sometimes hear if they're not within the group and know, like, the moderate people in the group, unfortunately. Like, I think there's a lot of amazing things about attachment parenting. And, like, what isn't good about creating more attachment with your children? (laughs) You know, there's nothing bad about that. You know, (laughs) but I always tell people this story, you know, There's, you know, lots of attachment people who believe that, you know, there should be no, you know, nothing working with sleep with babies for the first year plus or even that. Uh And I had a client about probably seven, eight years ago who, you know, I had been working with her and I thought she probably had some postpartum depression going. She did have her husband helping, you know, grandma was in the house helping and um, these parents both were going back to work soon. And mom was up probably every hour at night with the baby, which is normal for a new baby. And, you know, she had, at that point, had hired me for some postpartum work to come and just help her with just basic understanding of newborn care. Um, so maybe a week later, I got an email at midnight from her um, mm-hmm. saying that she was really afraid of the baby, which for me obviously is a big sign that there's more going on uh-huh. with postpartum issues. You know, yeah. so obviously at 12 p.m. at home, I'm, you know, frantic and calling the home as soon as I can, at her home as soon as I can, and she talked to me about how she had talked to her pediatrician about what was going on with the sleep and how desperate she was to get more sleep, and, you know, mm-hmm. grandma had left and husband was back to work, and she was told that, you know, parenting doesn't stop at night, you've got to suck it up, and at this point, she said, I don't feel like I can suck it up anymore, and I feel like I want to jump out of my high-rise downtown in L.A., You know, and so I feel like for this mom, yes, it's true, newborn babies are not made to sleep all night. You know. But when we're talking about a mom who clearly was dealing with more than postpartum depression, actually she had, she ended up having postpartum psychosis, um, it wasn't mm. the right advice for her. You know, so it's really looking at the mom and the situation. And this mom probably could have used some help with getting more sleep. And it's not applicable that every person can have paid help come in to do that for them. And we live in a oh, society right? where we don't have that support postpartum like they yeah. do in other countries. You mm-hmm. know, so this idea that, Parenting doesn't stop at night does work for most families, but we have to consider those families who don't have that peripheral support, who are working, and who do need that help to be able to get a little bit more rest. So it's like really not having things black and white. But that always made me think about the idea that everybody needs something different. Even if you believe that it should be a certain way, there's always exceptions to the rule.
1: Oh, my gosh, yeah, absolutely. That's like a a super red flag, the very first thing that she said. You're just like, oh, crap. Like, what can we do? (laughs) Um, yes, it's like, yeah, let like me you, get a bonus. You, you understand like what's best for your baby, but we can't always you know, like, okay, what's best for my kids? Like a super expensive car seat. Yeah, that's not gonna happen for me. You know? Um, you know, what's best for my kids isn't always something that I can make happen. You just do the the best that you can. Not like I really the best think what's that's best
2: possible. for kids oftentimes means sometimes what's best for mom in that moment. Because, you know, being a whole person is going to make you a whole parent.
1: Well, yeah, absolutely. I had um, severe postpartum depression with my second child, and with severe postpartum depression meant that I was not at home. I was in an institution for three days. Like, that was, that's not good for my daughter. I could be AP all day long and then run myself into the ground, and that's what it was. I was Mm -hmm. super tired. I was running a business. Four weeks after I had a baby with Down syndrome, I'd been in NICU for four weeks and then went right into 12-hour days at work. I had a I had a great little store in Fresno, California. Your store reminds me so much of it. And that's a long time ago. Um, <laughs> so and come by next time you you're here. have to come by next time you're here. And go, you know, postpartum right into that. And then here's a mom who got run into the gram, and I'm doing, you know, all the, and no I'm no slam on AP, but I'm doing like all that stuff without any support. So I didn't have any, like, nice And I think impulse. that's
2: the big takeaway. Yeah. I was like, you know, this is how it should be. Yes, you should be right. able to have this unlimited amount of time postpartum to nurture, to nurse, to just immerse yourself in this exhausting yet amazing time. You know, but unfortunately a lot of our parents don't have that these days. Like, they have to work. You know, they ha- they don't have grandma coming in to help them or aunties coming to help them. A lot of moms, like you said, are going back to work after a couple of weeks. You know, so how does that mom work 12 hours a day and then not sleep at all? Like how does that actually work?
1: Yeah, like how do you do it? Would it? What would I do if I didn't? If if I didn't have the support of even my husband? Like then what? Like so look at all these single single moms out there and we're telling them like, mm-hmm. yeah, all these hardcore ways to do things. Yeah, absolutely. But not. Um, but
2: even on the flip side, you know this idea. There's the other flip side of people who think that a newborn should be sleeping 12 hours. You know, and they've read some book that says, oh, by you know, you know, 12 weeks you should be doing X, Y, and Z, and despite the fact that my newborn can't and doesn't have the cognitive ability to be able to sleep, you know, and they're screaming their heads off that I have to follow this plan because so and so said I have to, and Mm. so it's really again on both sides of the coin, like not reading so much into these philosophies. Maybe that worked for that person and their child and that child's temperament, but doesn't mean it has to work for you. Um, and, again, I think it's just really hard when you're a new mom trying to, you know, navigate all of this information that you find online and in the chat and the mom Facebook groups and chat groups. It's really hard to, you know, look through all the noise and find what really, you know, is for you. And it's hard to, to understand your own intuition when you don't quite trust it yet because you're new.
1: Oh, gosh, yeah. And that's the thing, too. Like, when we first started our radio program 10 years, it was just because I was, like, so inundated with all this info. I'm like, what's, what's what? And can't we just have, like, a... You know, a voice that says, "Here's information I found. Do what you need with it." You know, <laughs> instead of being like, "This is the way you should parent," and um, and labeling it. It's funny. Um, and, and even the name of my show is funny because, I it was a it was a Kaiser Sose thing. Did you have you ever seen The Usual Suspects? Yes. Okay. Well, you know, at the end of the movie, he realizes he was just like picking stuff off the wall behind it. <laughs> And making up the story. Well, um, I um, I was looking for a, a place so I could find a radio show so I could just talk about the stuff that I was talking about in my maternity store to like one person at a time every day. <laughs> and I finally found this place. And the guy who hired me or let me have my own show for two hours a week had just had twins, uh, uh, kids, just brand new kids. And he was a mess. And he's like, Oh, you're gonna interview experts and people can call in anonymously and ask questions. <laughs> yes. You got yourself a show. What's the name of it? And I didn't have a name for the show. I wanted to call it like back to basics parenting or like like going back kind of parenting. And uh, I looked up and right behind him was this big poster that said uh, uh, 88, well, no, it wasn't 88. It doesn't matter what the numbers were. Uh, F A M station, the Valley's only progressive talk radio. That was the tagline. And so I said progressive mm-hmm. parents, And he said, that's a great name. And so we've had it for nine years. When in reality, like all the stuff that I talk about is just kind of like going back to how we used to do things a long time ago, Um, but with the caveat that we can't always do that because the way we did things a long time ago was we lived in villages or we we lived in communities where we had people who could take care of us, and we don't live that way anymore. We were alone now. A lot of us are isolated. Look at me. I'm in Albuquerque with my four kids and no family. There's no yes, way Yes, same around. for
2: us here. We're in Los Angeles. Yeah. You know, I have a little baby who's almost five months now and an eight-year-old. And, you know, yeah. we don't have family around. So a lot of it is just us juggling, me and my husband between us to really, you know, be able to do what it really should be taking a whole village to do. And it really yeah. is true that you need all these extra people that we don't have. And a lot of this information that would have been passed down, and that, like if you were in that village setting, you know, is in these books and these philosophies, and that's where moms are gravitating towards those, you know, ideas. So I get that. But I just, I feel so sad when I see moms stuck in a place that doesn't fit them and for whatever reason they're not able to let that go despite every warning sign that it's not working for them. You know, whether it means not getting along in your marriage, not feeling like you're connecting to your baby in the way that you want to connect to your baby, Mm -hmm. um, not feeling, you know that you are confident in your role as mom those are usually all signs to me that it's not what you should be doing for you and your baby and it's hard a lot of times when they really believed in something to be able to go past that label and say hey I can take some of that but at the end of the day I really got to do what you know really serves my soul and what really connects me to this little person
1: right because otherwise then you then you can't serve that little person if you're not taking care of you that's the hardest thing right that's and that's the crux. Like the very beginning of the program, the very first thing I say is being a parent is the hardest job you'll ever have. <laughs> and that's just, that's just the truth. This is a hard job. This is not um, a job, you know, like, <laughs> it, it is the hardest thing. It's, it's hard and, 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 the, and can be the most rewarding and the most beautiful and the most exquisite thing ever, but it's, it's really hard. There's no, there's no getting around that. This is a hard job. Um, and yeah, it's really and, I just, say, and
2: it's really hard when you're doing it right <laughs> most of the time. It's really, really hard. So it's a good sign. It's hard
1: when you're doing it right and you have a crap ton of help. It's still really hard.
2: Yes, really, really hard, but rewarding, as we all know.
1: Yeah. You know, it and it is,
2: and like, as far as, like, attachment parenting or, you know, there's so many different parenting styles, and I want to just say attachment parenting. And you know, there's positive parenting. There's Rye. There's, you know, yes. I know a lot of people are – I don't know if you would call this a parenting style, but people do follow it. I would say baby-wise and things like that. Mm -hmm. You know, there's lots of different philosophies about how to do certain things. Um, and, And it doesn't mean that those things are bad, but it's really are you looking at the baby? Are you looking at the mom? Are you looking at the dad and their family and their lifestyle? And unfortunately, most likely, a book can't be that specific for you. A philosophy can't be that specific. So you kind of just take what you need from it um you know and make sure it fits with how you feel and your own intuition
1: yeah absolutely but that's hard though right i mean cuz there's stuff out there there are books out there that will just say whatever and there's no like evidence to back up what they're saying there's no um no science to back up what they're saying they're just like oh try this and then you know you're a brand new parent and you're like oh maybe i will um like, how do what advice would you give new parents like how do you wean what are you just going with your gut
2: You are going with your gut in some way, but, you know, like I tell parents, like, you know, when I meet with them, it's like, I know a lot about babies, but I don't know your baby. So what I'm telling you is based on the information that I have from you, what you're telling me about your baby's temperament. At the end of the day, even though I have this experience and I've been working with lots and lots of babies, I don't want you to substitute the information I'm giving you for what's inside your gut, because that is... You know, the most important advice that you can give yourself is how does it feel when you think about it, when you think about doing, because more importantly, how you feel is what's going to affect your child. So if you feel like you're doing something that doesn't feel right, or you don't feel sure about it, or you feel uncertain, they feel that. You know, they really feel when you're confident about something. You know, so although it's hard to connect to that when you're a new parent, What I tell them is like, you know, for example, I have a lot of moms who are just like, I'm trying to find childcare and I'm not sure which way to go, what kind of person I'm looking for. And so I'll tell them, you know, don't pay attention to what's on paper. Anyone can have Mm -hmm. fabulous resume. They can have great references. When that person walks into your house, And when they leave your house, like, what do you initially feel? Do you feel that sense of calm? Do you feel like, oh, I can hand my baby over to you? If you feel any sort of apprehension, that's your gut telling you it's not the right fit. doesn't matter Mm -hmm. how many degrees a person has, what philosophy, you know, what was their last client, you know, like, none of that matters. Pay attention to what that person makes you feel in your space with your baby and how your baby reacts to that person. And that's all you need to know you know, whether they have a four-year degree in child development or they just, you know, had their own kids, that's going to be what's going to be the most important. So it's like situations like that, if you can learn to start listening and paying attention to your own intuition, that's how you hone it. That's how it gets better. You know, and don't let other people let you second-guess that or make you want to second-guess it. Because it may be like, oh, this person went to Harvard and they have a bachelor's degree in child development and they used to teach preschool. Oh, it sounds really amazing. But when they were here, I felt nervous or I felt anxious or I didn't feel Mm -hmm. like I wanted to hand my baby over. That's more Mm -hmm. important than what the papers say. And that can be transferred to any sort of situation when it comes to parenting, whether it's picking the right daycare or, you know, starting solids at four months versus six months. You know, things change every six months with parenting, as I'm sure Mm -hmm. you know. (laughs) So, you know, you really have to go with what feels good. And then you can look at the science and the evidence, but that also changes. So although I'm all but my, my minor is in science, so I'm a big person for science, but at the same time, I know that mothering and intuition goes beyond science in many ways.
1: Absolutely. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Yeah, and I, I love that you said that, too, about change. Like People will tell me, like, oh, well, my baby's sleeping through the night, and it's great. I'm like, oh, good, fantastic. Enjoy it while you can. Because, like, whatever, whatever's like, if it's good or bad, it's going to change. It just changes. That's it. That's just the truth about parenting because your kids get older and you can't stop it. So if it's really bad right now, just know it's going to change. And if it's really great right now, and embrace it and enjoy it because it will change. That sounds like uh, I'm starting to sound like my grandma, I think, uh, the older I get as I'm an older mom with uh, older kids. Um, So if you're just tuning into the program and you have a question or a comment or you'd like to add something to our conversation, the number to call in is 347-850-1642. That number, again, is 347-850-1642. So you you have a brand, brand new baby. I thought your baby was like eight months old. Yes. Five months old. Yeah, she's not even five months yet.
2: She'll be five months on the 27th. So she's
1: oh, congratulations. a little itty. Oh, thank you. Baby. Oh yeah, it still feels new. I I and my baby's going to be 19 months and I still feel like I want people to still say congratulations cuz <laughs> it's been a heck of a 19 months. It's uh, this this baby has made me look at uh, everything that I've ever believed in in a completely different light this is the the baby that i needed before i stopped having babies if i'm going to keep doing this kind of work and sharing information with parents uh and it's uh, it's been very difficult and i'm really i'm very um grateful for how difficult uh this particular um new baby time has been for me cuz it's um it's been wonderful it's really tested a lot of the things that i thought i believed in um or i know i believe in And uh, it made me look at myself uh, looking at moms again. Because, you know, when when you're helping moms all the time, it's one thing. But when you're the the brand-new mom, even if it's for the fourth time, it's different for you, right? Like um, Jack is in the third percentile, weight and height-wise, which totally Mm -hmm. freaked me out, right? But if I was my own doula client... I would be like, oh, it's okay, you know, He's look at mom, look at dad, you know, you guys aren't super big people. Like, I would be telling myself all this stuff, but as the, the mom, like, I, I can't hear that from myself, like, I don't have that logic, I'm just mm-hmm. in care mode, right? So, um, how has this, I mean, have you even been working, have you been able to, like, be with other moms as a brand new mom again?
2: Well, luckily, I'm in a great business to be a mom. <laughs> so she's able to come with me to work, which is nice. Okay. Um, you know, and we do have, we have a, you know, we're very lucky in that we have some flexibility about when we come and that kind of thing. And she has a comfortable place to sleep and, you know, she's able to keep her routine. But definitely when you're in the middle of having a new baby um, and working with moms, it just reminds you of the patience that we as moms all deserve. It reminds you of the, you know, empathy and compassion of meeting people where they're at. Um, That's what I think it brings up. It just refreshes because you can work with parents and get into a routine of like, you know, I teach these things and we talk about these things, you know, and sometimes you get into your mode of just teaching and really not seeing, you know, and Mm I think having a baby that you're present with on your own just makes you see each client that comes in and not just, doing the work, but seeing them where they're at and really tailoring what you need to say to support that family and to encourage that family wherever they're at. And I think that's the gift of having a baby around.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's been a a wonderful gift. It really has, um, in a good way, though, because I I will say um, that I am totally guilty of having certain biases. And um, that just recently came up. I I took a great class with uh, Kristen Piscucci, and she was talking to doulas about, like, what's your bias and finding out what your biases are. And uh, I didn't know that I had really, like, if you would have asked me, I would have been like, oh, no, pacifiers are great. That's what I would have said a long time ago. But turns out I had a complete bias against them uh, until this (laughs) breastfeeding relationship with my child. Like, I didn't know that it was as real as it was until I had to go buy one, and I didn't want to buy one. (laughs) I was like, I had this hardcore bias against them. And um, I'd like to bring that up since we're talking about this, because I think we should all be really honest, especially um, and when I say we, I mean people like you and I, uh, doulas, midwives, people who work with new moms, right? Um, I think it's important to find out what your biases are before you um, talk to the next mama you're going to work with because um, it's going
2: to frame the information that you give them. Would you agree? For sure. Like a a really great thing that one of my professors said when I was um, in grad school, my master's in social work, so, you know, obviously you're doing a lot with families in a counseling therapeutic dynamic. And one of the things that he would say is you can only take clients as far as you yourself have come, you know, meaning that if you have an issue with X, Y, or Z thing, which basically is a bias, like how can you really help that person through it unless you dealt with it yourself, you know? So, you know, I try to check my biases out the door when I work with clients, but, you know, that's impossible to do all the time. But being aware of what they are is really helpful. You know, I'm a lactation consultant, so clearly, you know, I support breastfeeding. I'm into breastfeeding, you know, but at the same time, that's what I want for myself. That's what I wish for other moms. But for me, it was really important. The reason I became a lactation consultant is that in one year, I had about 10 or 15 moms leave uh, a local lactation place crying because of some decisions they had made with breastfeeding. And one of them had twins that had been you know, feeding them 12 times a day, pumping after every session. And the next day, she stopped breastfeeding because of what one person said. And it always just makes me remember that. Whatever your issue is, whatever your bias is, like that mom breastfeeding them, you know, 12 times a day instead of 16 times a day that this person wanted her to do was more important than this mom not breastfeeding at all. You know, so just really finding out what your middle ground and what it, what it came down to is his mom was supplementing with formula, and she got a lot of flack from this lactation consultant about the formula that she had chosen. Um, and the mom was so heartbreaking that she basically sat in the car and cried in the parking lot. And the next day, stopped breastfeeding them and put them 100% on formula, which. I'm assuming was not the intended of this lactation consultant. But it just reminds me again that whatever your bias is, you really have to check out the door and, and figure out what's best for that person for their baby and not so much what I think is best for them.
1: Awesome. Yeah, that's good stuff. And that's, um, I think that's what the kind of stuff that we need to be talking about um, when we're talking about supporting moms because it's, it's
0: just, it's hard. <laughs> I can't, I keep going. It's really back to hard. That. Like
1: you...
2: You know, how can you, in however many years you've been on the earth, not have things that you agree or don't agree with? And it's really hard to see something, somebody doing something that you personally feel is harmful to the baby or harmful to them. But you really, you know, you're not going to get people on your side, you know, even if it is something that really they shouldn't be doing in most standards that are science or evidence-based, if you come to a way that's going to make them shut down. And I think it's about really educating people about making the good decisions as opposed Mm -hmm. to condemning them for making decisions that we don't agree with.
0: Yes.
1: Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's the hardest part. Oh, I'm so glad you're in the world. Thank you so much. This has been fantastic. Well,
2: I'm so glad that these moms and dads let me be in their world, more importantly.
1: Well, I love it, and everything that you do is just amazing, I'm, seriously, and I can't wait to come down. I'm I'm going to be in California, and I want to come and see your place.
2: You have to come by. You have to yeah. come by. It's a yeah. great space, great community, and every day I'm just amazed that I get to do, I guess this is considered work, but it doesn't feel very much like work, which is an amazing place to be.
1: Uh, I can't wait. We'll come and see the, the Cradle Company in Los Angeles and say hi, and then by, I think by the time I come, maybe we about nine months old, so we can uh, maybe have some coffee or something, hang out.
0: Yeah, sounds good.
1: Um, how do people find you online? How can they find The Cradle Company and more of the work that you do?
2: Um, well, they can find us at thecradlecompany.com. Um, also the same on Facebook. We're on Instagram at The Cradle Company. Um, they can follow me on Twitter and Paris Group at Brandy Parenting as well.
0: Fantastic!
1: Awesome. Well, I can't wait to see you in real life, and I want to thank you for being on the program. I'd like to thank our listeners today for tuning in. If you have any comments about today's show or questions, you can always go to our Facebook page, Progressive Parenting Radio, and ask us questions there. Or you, uh, if you have any ideas about the program that you would like to share with us, you can always go to ProgressiveParentingRadio at gmail.com. Um, just to let everybody know, we may not have reached our fundraising goal, but no worries, we still have a donate button. You can go to progressiveparentingradio.com and donate there. Or you can come and see me live. I will In January, I will be at the Indie Birth Conference. So come and see me in Sedona. It's going to be amazing. And, um, oh, I'll be doing, I can't even believe this, I'm going to be doing an advanced doula training in March with uh, the Wapio. She is amazing. And we'll be doing advanced doula trainings in March in San Diego on March 6th and 7th. And until next time, you guys, Take care of yourselves and take care of each other.
0: If I ever do anything right, I wanna be so good with little life if i ever Want to know